Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. I'm Kathleen Hazel of Plus. We're broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Market's most influential summit at our Bloomberg World Headquarters. Globalization, where is it heading? Have we reached the end of globalization? This is one of the topics here at Bloomberg Market's Most Influential, Pim. And we're going to be speaking to a panelist shortly to talk about, you know, maybe Donald Trump uh, shouldn't be so worried. Trade is actually shrinking in the global economy. Yes, our guest uh, will be Alan Kruger of Princeton University, professor of economics and public affairs, former head of the Council of Economic Advisors in the Obama administration. Right now, though, let's go to Charlie Pellet in the Bloomberg Newsroom for a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I thank you very much, Pim Fox. Thank you, Kathleen Hayes. Speaking of influence, got to begin with crude oil today, surging 4.4%, helping lift economic Equities, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all advancing West Texas intermediate crude now at 46.63 for a barrel. OPEC agreeing to cut production for the first time in eight years. And this update brought to you by Instinct Options from Bank of America. Merrill Lynch capture liquidity in U.S. equity and index options by trading, by uh, unleashing the in-depth market insights and adaptive algo strategies of Instinct Options. That's the power of global. Connections. OPEC cutting production for the first time in eight years, according to a delegate briefed on the matter, sending oil prices up as Saudi Arabia and Iran, Iran wrong-footed traders who expected a continuation of the pump-at-will policy the group adopted at, uh, in 2014. Crude oil up now by 4.4%, rallying $2 the barrel to 46.63. California, the nation's largest issuer of municipal bonds, is barring Wells Fargo from underwriting state debt and handling its banking transactions after the company admitted to opening potentially millions of bogus customer accounts. Wells Fargo shares up one-tenth of one percent. Gold down 660, the ounce down five-tenths of one percent. The tenure down two-thirty seconds, yield 1.57 percent. S&P 500 index up six, a gain there of three-tenths of one percent. And right now, 330 on Wall Street. Let's take a look at some of the other stories making news. Thank you, Charlie. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Jill Schneider. This news update is brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. For the first time in his presidency, Congress has voted to override a President Obama veto. The House overwhelmingly voted 348 to 77 to override a bill that will allow Saudi Arabia to be sued for involvement in the 9 11 attacks. Earlier, the Senate voted 97 to 1, with the single no vote coming from Minority Leader Harry Reid. First Lady Michelle Obama is out campaigning for Hillary Clinton today. Mrs. Obama addressed a crowd at Philadelphia's LaSalle University. Remember, it's not about voting for the perfect candidate. There is no such person. (laughs) In this election, it's about making a choice between two very different candidates with very different visions. Mrs. Obama also said the country needs, quote, an adult in the White House. Israel is mourning the death of former president and prime minister Shimon Peres. Former president Bill Clinton will be among those attending his funeral Friday. I'm very grateful to him for a lifetime of 
thinking big thoughts and dreaming big dreams and figuring out practical ways to achieve them. Penn Station, the nation's busiest transit hub, could finally be getting a makeover. Governor Andrew Cuomo has unveiled a $1.6 billion plan that would create a retail space at the James A. Farley building across the avenue and a waiting hall for Amtrak and Long Island Railroad passengers. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Jill Schneider. This is Bloomberg. Charlie? And we thank you. And again, keeping an eye on crude oil, West Texas intermediate up now by 4.4 percent, a barrel of uh, WTI 46.63 equities higher S&P up six, a gain of three tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Broadcasting live today for the Bloomberg Market's most influential summit at our world headquarters here in New York. I want to take a look at globalization and uh, where the world is heading now, particularly in this election year when there are so many debates around trade, trade deals, and more. Joining us now is Alan Kruger, who's former head of the Council of Economic Advisors, professor at Princeton University. and He's going to talk about his panel today, whether the sun is setting on globalization. So, Alan, is it, uh, is it twilight for globalization, or is it just some dark clouds obscuring the sun so it feels like like the sun is setting. The word I used was moderation. I think we're seeing a moderation in globalization when it comes to trade as well as when it comes to immigration. Is this a bad thing or a good thing? Uh, I think it was a somewhat inevitable thing in that there was an enormous a rush of globalization when the Soviet Union collapsed and Eastern Europe joined the uh, modern world, the capitalist system. Uh, and then when China joined the world trading system, and I think that that led to a long period of expanding trade, and now we're reaching more of an equilibrium point where uh, wages have been driven up in China, the infrastructure has been driven down to the point uh, that they um, are really quite stretched in terms of their infrastructure. We're seeing companies bring uh, more work back to the U.S., in fact. We're seeing companies reshoring. Uh, some work uh, in the U.S., and I think that trend will probably continue. And the same thing with immigration. I think we saw uh, very rapid immigration to the U.S., uh, particularly from Mexico, uh, when we had our housing bubble. And since then, we've actually had net out migration to Mexico. Uh, Professor Kruger, I, I, there's so much I want to ask you, so I just want to throw out some topics and, and maybe get your, maybe you can connect them for, for us. Um, one of your earliest pieces of research has to do with the restaurant industry and minimum wage. You've written books about wage inequality. You've also written a book about terrorism. I'm wondering if there's a way to connect all those things in the context of trade agreements and what they will ultimately do <laughs> In a variety of ways, because trade is not just about stuff, it's about people. And supposedly, if you actually know somebody, chances are you're going to feel less aggressive towards them uh, because you're going to know something rather than just hear it or think it or get that information that might not be true. Well, there are a lot of cross-currents yeah, yeah, there. Sorry, yeah. So I'll do, I'll do my best. The um, point, I think, which is underappreciated about trade agreements is they are as much international relations policy as they are economic policy. And if you look at NAFTA, for example, in our $18 trillion economy in the U.S., NAFTA had very little effect one way or the other in terms of our economic growth or wages. I think it was positive on that. I think that's why the economy did so well in the 1990s after NAFTA. But 
I would have to acknowledge that was pretty small. But it did help our relationship with Mexico and Canada. And now when we're turning uh, to the other parts of the world, do we want to have better relations with the rest of the world or worse relations? I think when it comes to our national security, it's better to have better relations. So I think one aspect of trade agreements uh, is that it helps to further our national security interests. And uh, if you have a candidate who says, I'm going to tear up agreements that we have, I think that works in reverse. And uh, I think it makes it very difficult to negotiate agreements that are in the interest of the U.S., both economically and in our uh, international security interests, uh, if we have bluster coming from politicians about withdrawing from agreements which we have previously negotiated in good faith. As we make future trade, trade agreements, assuming that that happens, uh, how, is it important, though, to see that our experience with China was not altogether good, our, our relationship with China, our, our trade uh, our, our trade relations and the fact that they pegged their currency for so long helped hollow out manufacturing in this country. There's, I think it's hard to dispute that. Uh, also, they've blocked intellectual property. They've stolen intellectual property. Is there some way in future trade agreements that will make sure that free trade is fair trade? I think you raise very important points. Uh, and also recognize it was not trade agreement that True. led to China's uh, expansion in the U.S. Um, we don't have a trade agreement with China. And one of the arguments that President Obama has made, which I think is exactly right, is TPP uh, would uh, prevent China from writing the rules of the road when it comes to the, the uh, economic relations in Asia. Uh, it will be U.S. standards that would protect intellectual property, for example. We sold them a lot of treasuries. That was something that we did that they, that they bought from us. Well, I think they bought treasuries from us because they recognize that we are the strongest, most responsible country in the world uh, and, and a good place to invest. Um, and I think we are now at a point where uh, China's currency is roughly uh, uh, valued appropriately. I think for a long time it did um, uh, weaken its currency. But I think now, given how poorly China has fared over the last few years and how much better the U.S. has grown, uh, you would see a reversal. Uh, so I think it's very hard to say that the currency manipulation uh, is uh, causing a lot of damage to the U.S. economy today. Now, I think that's something we need to monitor very closely going forward. I want to thank you very much for coming in and spending time with us. Alan Kruger, he is the former head of the Council of Economic Advisors, currently a professor at Princeton University and the author of many books, one on quality, education, and terrorism. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox. My co-host, Kathleen Hayes. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Taking Stock is brought to you by Cohn Resnick. Look ahead. Gain insight. Imagine more. Get forward-thinking advice that can help turn business possibilities into business opportunities. Find out more at CohnResnick.com.